Father, I thank you today. Amen. Let, let me read a scripture. Is that queued up to actually play? Now, let me read a scripture here that I want to deal with for just a few minutes because we don't want the food to get cold and we don't want you to go to sleep. So we got two reasons to hurry forward here today. But I want you to glean something. God's already begun to speak to us in this service. He's talking loud and clear to me today. And it's, it's a summation of the book of Romans. It's getting to where Paul says, you know, this is that drop the mic moment in the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 8 and beginning with verse 31. Uh, the heading in my Bible says, conquerors. Through Christ. Amen. What you can't do in yourself. And God doesn't expect of you in yourself. You can do through Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that word can do doesn't mean walk on water and turn water to wine. It's not about the charismata. It's not about gifts of the Spirit. It's about facing the challenges and the trials and the tests of life. To put it in the language of today and to put it in the context of Scripture, it would say I am equal to anything. Anything that I face in life because of His grace and His strength that He grants to me. I am, I am capable of facing it and overcoming it. And He did because down at the end of His life, He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Amen. Amen. I've run the race. I've finished my course. What I was sent here to accomplish, what I, He kept me to accomplish, and I'm ready now to be offered up. Praise God. Let me read this real quick, and, and we'll have this song. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm going to stop right there. We might do that at the end of this little talk here today. Uh, that song, that particular song. That is the supreme issue of your life. Uh, we could sit here all day and compare notes on what we've all been through. We could talk about our enemies, and we could talk about the enemy of our soul, the devil, and focus on our personal enemies and the devil. And by the way, uh, he will stir up people to come against you. He stirred up people to come against Paul. He stirred up a group of men who said, We will not eat and we will not drink. Until we kill him. Until he's dead, we're not going to touch food. And uh, as time went on, they got hungry and thirsty and wanted to hurry up and slay Paul. And Paul was told about it. And there's a time to stand your ground. You see, you don't pattern your life uh, without a surrendered life. And you need to hear the Holy Spirit and not be presumptuous about anything. Well, why, did he go, why didn't he just go out there and tell him, you can't hurt me, bless God, this is my confession. Because they would have killed him. Because that would have been presumption. God didn't tell him to go out there and stand up and show how much faith he had. I get concerned about people that want to display how spiritual they are. I mark them. Because if they've got to convince me of their spirituality, they're not spiritual at all. If they're hanging out with God like they say they're hanging out with God, I'm the last person on earth they need to impress. They know who they are. Real, real people that hang out with God know who they are in Christ. They know their relationship with God. They don't have to convince anybody of anything. 
What's going to be convincing is when you come against them. And the enemies of Israel found that out in a hurry. Amen. They, they, they would come against them, convinced they could defeat them because of their small number and leave so defeated they'd say, there is a God in Israel. There's someone who fights for them. There's someone who defends them. What more shall we say to these things? It's the end of the argument. If God be for us. Now let me give you this quick scenario before we change the order of this service. This is important today. Because so many Christians are trying to just just push through their trials and tests by their authority, by claiming their authority, which you do have, by using their faith, which you do have. But you've got to have God's favor, not just great faith. Without God's favor, your faith will not work. Without God's favor, you can't just bull through your trials by your confession. When a man's ways do what? Please the Lord. When he's right with his God. So there's a king that wants to defeat Israel. And he can't. They come out with an army and God fights for Israel. And it's a supernatural victory. So he hires a wishy-washy prophet for hire. And he says, I will pay you great sum if you will prophesy against Israel and get that God that defends them to curse them. Then I can defeat them. But I can't do it now. So he goes out. And the problem is, the gifts and calling are without repentance. He was a genuine prophet. He's now a prophet for hire. He thinks that he can bless God out of one corner, bless the children of covenant out of one corner of his mouth and curse them out of the other. And how do you know he was a genuine prophet? Because when he began to prophesy the curse, only blessing, God wouldn't allow him to curse them. Not only wouldn't honor the curse, he wouldn't allow him to utter the curse. In Psalm 105, when God delivered Israel from Pharaoh, the Bible said that almost three million people began to get up and go on the move out of Egypt. The message was, let my people go. And the plagues come until they were, the Bible said, and initially they were glad to see them go. It got so hard on Egypt, when they left, they said, good riddance. We don't want no more trouble with their God. But after they left, they got angry. And Pharaoh got mad and sent his army and chariots after them. But God was for them. And it didn't matter that the greatest world empire with the greatest standing army on earth was after men, women, and children and a few soldiers to destroy them. Because God parted the Red Sea. And when they tried to cross behind them, God unparted the Red Sea and drowned them with their chariots and their armies. And they knew once again there's a God in Israel. And when they're right with God, nobody can defeat them. And because of your standing with God, if it's not just positional but personal as well,
Amen. The Bible said the moment you're right with Him through the blood of Christ and by the washing of water by the Word and by obedience to His will, when you're personally and positionally right with God, God defends you. God stands up in your behalf. You do not stand alone anymore, and therefore you're more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Through Him that loved you enough to hang on the cross so you could have this standing, and you could have the power to overcome. Let not sin reign, hallelujah, in your mortal body. Don't let it control you. You have power now. I can do all things through who? Through Christ, which what? Strengtheneth me. If God gave you supernaturally the ability, do you believe you could walk on water like Peter? If He did it. Amen. It wasn't the strength of Peter's faith. It was the power of God sustaining him. That's why he sunk when he tried to stand in his own faith. And that's why it took the same power to lift him back up and bring him back to safety. When, um, when Israel was right with God, don't mess with them. Because you're messing with Him. And they had to find it out the hard way. Sennacherib found it out. Sennacherib came up against Israel with an allied army. <laughs> And he'd taken city after city after city after city. And he comes up against Israel. And he gives them an ultimatum as he surrounds and lays siege to the city. Open the gates and let me come in and enslave you. And I will not destroy your women and children. I will just enslave you. By the way, there was another deal made, and the deal was this, in another situation just like that. An enemy thinking to take himself a prey of God's people. You know what they did? They said, not only let us come in the gate, because we're going to beat it down and we're going to destroy you unless you let us enslave you, come into bondage to us. He said, but let us take out, let us take out the right eye of every person standing warrior that you have they've got to let us pluck out their right eye that way when they go to fight and hold up their shield they can't see their eye is behind the shield the one they have left they are rendered immobile in battle let us debilitate you to where you're absolutely no threat and allow us to enslave you. We might let you live. But if you don't let us in, we're going to come in anyway. And if we have to come in, we're going to kill you all. So the people all came to the leader, the king. And they said, King, what shall we do? How shall we do? And Hezekiah said, There's more with us. See, if God is for you, He's already with you. But now He needs to be for you. If God be for you, it doesn't matter anymore. It becomes a moot issue. It's not your enemy. It's your relationship to God. There's too much defeat and bondage among God's people. That goes without saying you know it's true. There's too many people turning back. There's too many people putting the 
world before the kingdom of God. There's too many people not living any semblance of a sanctified life. Being defeated and giving credit to the devil. Or being defeated and accusing God of being unfaithful. If God is for you, you're not going to lose this battle. If God is for you, when the enemy, Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit, come on covenant people, hallelujah. You say, well that was Abraham's seed. I got news for you. Abraham's seed did not stop at the New Testament. Abraham's seed is not just physical Israel. But everyone who has trust Christ as his Savior. But the Bible said in the book of Galatians, they that are of the household of faith. How many here are in the kingdom of God? Your covenant children of the Most High God. They that are of the household of faith are what? Oh, by the way, you say, I'm not Jewish. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. He is not a Jew that is circumcised after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. Jew and Gentile have lost their distinction in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is both Jews who have trusted Christ, Gentiles who have trusted Christ, but the Abrahamic covenant is unbroken. And we become something called spiritual Israel. Hallelujah. He is a Jew who is not just circumcised after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And they that are of the household of faith are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessings of faithful Abraham have come upon them. See, God is for you by covenant. And we have what? We have something superseding that covenant. Not doing away with any of it or, or, or depleting any of it. But adding to it so much for the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of bulls and goats. And that's why he said this is the new covenant when he took up the cup in my blood that's shed for the sins of many. Praise God. He loves you by covenant, by the way. You know what he said to Israel? He said, that, he said you're not very nice. You're not very lovable. I'm putting it in plain language. Amen. You're a stiff-necked people. You're stubborn, hard-headed, and hard-hearted. But that I might keep my covenant with Abraham concerning the seed. I set my love on you. You that are trying to earn it, that have it by covenant, need to quit trying to earn it and just start loving Him back for loving you like that. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, this is a seminal moment here. You that are still trying to earn your Father's love. Honey, He set it on you. And He commended it to you while you were yet a rotten, scoundrel, sorry, scumbag. Is, can we say that in church? In, amen. Of a sinner. I used to watch a black and white cartoon and the bad guy in the cartoon was called Krabby Appleton. Because Krabby Appleton was rotten to the core. 
And I'm going to tell you something. Before you and I come to Jesus, we were rotten to the core. The wrath of God just abided on us. But when you came to Jesus, God is not just with you. He's for you. And he told ancient Israel, because they were covenant people, he that touches you touches me. When you touch one of them, you're touching me. That's why when Saul of Tarsus wanted to continue to kill Christians, had the authority of the Sanhedrin, held the cloaks of them that killed the first Christian martyr, and urged them on and authorized the death. On the road to Damascus, that man was going to get saved or killed. The man was going to get saved or killed. Because he said, I saw a light brighter than the noonday sun and I fell from my beast onto the ground. And I cried, who out, who art thou Lord? He didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew there is a God in heaven and he was in the presence of a holy one. Identify yourself. And instead of identifying himself as God, he identified himself with us. He, ad- he identified him. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. When you've done it to the least of these, he taught in another place. You've done it unto me. When you should have done it and didn't do it to the least of these. You didn't do it unto me. The way you treat them is the way you treat him. I'm glad you were hugging each other's necks instead of slapping each other around today. Can you say amen? Can you say? And, and I don't just mean physically, but verbally. We need to stop this nonsense. This is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ assembled here today. This is a holy gathering here today. Hallelujah. These are not perfect people here today, but these are covenant children of the Most High God. They cry, Abba, Father. And the Holy Ghost said, that's it. Hallelujah. He confirms that relationship. And if God be for you, who can be against you? What more shall we say to these things? It's the end of the argument. We're not going to argue with the devil who accuses us any further. Because he has no power in God's courts. Listen to the Word of God. The Bible said in Romans chapter 12, Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accuse them before God day and night. Oh, honey, he didn't just start that. He did it in one of the most ancient books of the Bible. He was doing it true to his nature. An angel appeared in the presence of God in heaven that wasn't supposed to come from earth to heaven through the corridor. Jacob saw angels ascending and descending. Amen. In his vision, God operating 
in this earth. He's not sitting aloof in his heaven. He is busy. The Holy Spirit is busy. God is here today. The Holy Ghost is here today. Christ is in our midst today. Angels are here today. Amen. You say, Brother Vimble, what if a terrorist come through our door? Amen. I like Brother Costello's attitude. He said, if he comes while you're preaching, the power of God will knock him right back out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's faith. Can you say man? If he don't go back out, there are people here with a license to carry. Who are they? None of your beeswax. Well, Brother Vim, if you trust in God, you won't need that. Well, we just, you know, we just, we just want people to know, you know, just in case. <laughs> I want you to know that we are well defended. I want you to know that God is still on the throne. I want you to know that if God can say, I am for you. He will fight for you. One time Israel was so intimidated because they were surrounded by enemies. And God stood between Israel and the enemy and through the prophet said, Where? Where? He's looking at this physical army out here. And this is the God who created heaven and earth. who com- The commander-in-chief of heaven's angels. And he looks out at that puny army in his eyes, and says, where is the fury of the oppressor? I don't see the threat. You're covenant people. God will fight for you. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat said, great jumping Jehoshaphat. A mighty army came up. Against them, not just his. Every time God is blessing His people, somebody wants to harm them and hurt them and threaten them and intimidate them. And the day of being intimidated by the devil has got to come to a stop. If God be for us, if that's the issue, settle that issue. Fear God and fear no one and nothing else. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Amanda Awal from the Veterans Hospital came into my office. He had a knife. He was mentally messed up and he had a knife flipping it back and forth so I could see that he was armed. I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a knife. I didn't have a baseball bat. I didn't have a club. But I had Jesus. And a shield called the shield of faith. A man went deranged in our service, and the devil got a hold of him. Part of our thing we didn't want to go back to. Told me to go south of heaven. Jumped up and told me where to go. South of heaven, you know, without me. And he came running down the aisle. And we were full of people. And he was coming, and I didn't, you know, I'd seen a couple of Bruce Lee movies. I thought I'd I never had those things happen to me. You know, I'm a little preacher, you know. <laughs> with a big God. And some people tackled him and stopped him from coming and doing harm. There's a preacher out in, in San Antonio, Texas. A gunman came in, fired five shots. 
he could hear them whizzing by him. Not one of them hit him before his deacons took him down and disarmed him. If God be for, if it's my time to go, you know, the flu can take me out. But if it's not my time to go, an AR-15 can't take me out. Brother Venable, are you, are you being proud? No, I'm being accurate and truthful. My father owns this place down here. He's the God of all flesh. And nothing, and I mean nothing, is too hard for him. Can you say man? What a mighty God that we serve today. Jehoshaphat gets up. He looks out. And he sees an allied army. They are come together for one purpose. Defeat, destroy, and enslave the covenant children of God, ancient Israel. He says, he looks at his armed forces. And he says, we're no match. They will cut us down. There's no way we can stand against, say if God be for us. And the one thing he wanted to make sure is that God was for them. Amen. He wasn't presumptuous. He said, we have no... And here's something they'll tell you not to pray today. They'll tell you, never confess this. Now, don't be real. Live in la-la land where you don't see any problems. Whack, 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 whack. And I'm not, that's not the Aflac duck either. These strange ducks. Don't confess it, it can't happen. If it's happening already, you don't have to confess it. Amen? It's happening. Here's the prayer. We have no might. Confess your weakness and your inability and your trust in Him and Him alone to deliver you. When I am weak, Paul said, admit it, confess it, then At that precise moment, I qualify for His strength and not until. You want to hear the prayer that brought the victory? We have no power in and of ourselves. We have no might in and of ourselves to go out against this great army. But our eyes are on you. (laughs) He had barely uttered those words until a prophet in the congregation... Stood up to confirm it. He jumped up and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not have to fight at all in this battle. For at this point, the bat- and from this point forward, the battle is no longer yours. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Oh, if you want victory, get God involved in it. Wow. And then he gave the battle plan to act on by faith. There are singers whose job it is to worship God in the temple. They sing the high praises of God. Go get them. Bring them out and stand them up before these three armies. And tell them to sing a revelation of God's character and person. And tell them to sing it over and over and over. What was the song? I'm glad you asked. Somebody ask. The Lord is good. And His mercy 
endures forever. This God who loves us by covenant is a good God. And He's merciful. And because of His mercy, we have a standing with Him. And because we have a standing with Him, He's standing by us. They sung that. Oh, they didn't just sing, uh, you know, some little ditty like today, some little beat-driven song. They sung a revelation of God. In Psalm 107, it begins with, doesn't it? Is it Psalm 107 where it begins with, let the redeemed, second verse, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Does that just mean to say that you're redeemed? That's part of your confession, yes. But that's not what they're supposed to confirm initially. Now I've got your attention. Cornbread getting cold, but I want to finish this. We're on some good ground right here today. Amen. Is there a first verse there? Go right on down. Let them say what? Say so about what? What was the previous verse? The Lord is good and His mercy. What did He tell them to sing? Let the redeemed say so. What were they saying in front of that army trying to kill them? Our God is good and His mercy endures forever. We want you to know we are in a covenant with Him because of His grace and His mercy. Hallelujah. We are not perfect, but He is. And this is a perfect covenant. It's established on blood. Hallelujah. They didn't just go out and sing, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory. You are redeemed. It is love divine. But we're talking about God and a covenant. We, we, we just throw away the verse before that and start confessing our redemption. They were not redeemed by the blood of Christ then. The cross hadn't occurred then, but they were in covenant with God then. They were not saved like we are now, but they had a covenant with God then. And they declared the God of the covenant, the truth about the God of the covenant. Amen? Tell them to sing a revelation of God that's right there in Psalm 107. For the Lord is good. Oh, that men would praise Him for it. Hallelujah. And He told them, go out and praise Him for it. Declare it and praise Him for it. But first, declare it. Don't sing your battle song. Don't sing what you heard and you thought it emotionally moved you. Sing what you know about God. You say, well, I don't know anybody got a song out like that. Well, Jehoshaphat singers have one. Can you say amen? And there's no copyright on it. It's to all the seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't pull that out. Leave it in. Let them say what? The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. There's something about 
the word of God in your mouth. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. With the heart man believes to righteousness, but it's not over. It's incomplete. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Can you say amen or deliverance? When they begin to sing that, God sent a spirit of confusion into the enemy. He said, you're not going to have to fight. But while they sang that revelation of God and declared it and sang it, they saw each other as an enemy. And they began to turn on each other. And as they sang the high praises of God for His redemptive love by covenant, by covenant, they watched an allied army kill off each other until there was not one man standing to threaten Israel. Because the message from God was, this ain't your battle anymore. This is mine. And this is how you win it. You don't go out to get the victory. You go out to get the victory by declaring that victory has already been won. Before the fight starts. You don't fight to see if you can win. The good fight of faith says, I win before the fight starts. So Hezekiah is in the pickle. (laughs) And they say, how shall we do? What a great king. He said, there's more with us than there is with them. With them is the arm of flesh. With us is the Lord our God. He it is that will fight our battles. Sent a message back to Sennacherib and he said, hear this. We will never concede and bow to you and you will never enslave us. See, if God be for you, there's a boldness and there's a courage that comes. But you've got to know that. We've got to get that right. If God isn't for you, don't go to one of these spiritual warfare things. Amen. And try to use authority that you don't have. Because if you don't bow to Him yourself as your Lord, the devil isn't going to listen to you. Don't go to a faith meeting and try to build your faith to get stuff. If you're not right with God, God, you'll ask to consume it on yourself. And the Bible said you ain't going to get nothing. Amen? And yet there's droves of people that are not right with God and don't want to get right with God and don't want to hear a message of how to get right with God. But they want everything from God. But it never works that way. Listen to this victory. This victory scenario. Here's what the king said when he saw that rejection of his offer to enslave them. And not destroy them, but just enslave them. He said, every city that we conquered, and we've conquered a mess of cities, they all called upon their gods to save them. Listen to the arrogance of the enemy. Their gods could not deliver them out of my hand. Neither shall your God deliver us out of my hand. There was a prophet in that city by the name of Isaiah. There's always a prophet around when God is going to give victories. Can you say, man? Stood up in Jehoshaphat's day and declared what God would do. And Isaiah looked at that. Hezekiah looked at that. 
They'd already declared the goodness and the greatness of God. And Isaiah says, you know something? Let's, it was rolled up in a scroll. They said, let's take it into the temple. Let's walk right up to the veil. We can't go behind it, but we can sure get in proximity. We're going to walk right up to the veil, and let's spread this out before the Lord. Just wait till God sees what He said about Him. I told you, get God involved in it. Can you say, man, get right with God and so God can be involved in your life. Because if God be for you, hallelujah. And sure enough, <laughs> hallelujah, they put that before the Lord. Sennacherib is ready to lay siege and take the city the next morning. He has 185,000 warriors ready to storm the gates. And the next morning, he gets up after they spread that before the Lord. Hallelujah. The next morning, he gets up and he hears flies buzzing in the desert sun. The sun is starting to heat up the day and he hears flies buzzing all over the place. He walks outside of his tent and he looks for his captains of war. And they're laying lifeless corpses laying on the ground. The guards that guarded his tent while he slept are laying dead on the ground. He walks down where his army is bivouacked, tent after tent after tent. He peeks inside to wake sleeping soldiers, but they're sleeping the sleep of death because that night God sent an angel. God sent an angel. Oh, my Lord in heaven, why do we live like we live with a God like this? Can you say man? Hallelujah. Why do we accept defeat so readily? Why do we give Satan such credit with a God like this? Sennacherib. Sennacherib says, they're all dead. We could fight flesh and blood. We could take this city militarily. But we can't fight an invisible God of theirs. Their God is not like the false gods. That all these other people, this is a living God. This is a God who stands up to defend those people and we can't defeat them. Got to finish this. But listen, this is, if God be for you. If God be for you, stop arguing with the devil or with people or with anything else. If the church ever repents and gets right with God, she'll rise up in victory. There'll be a last day harvest and a last day revival like the world has. I'm talking about the church globally. Like the world has never seen. If Christians get their backbone back. Everybody say, get their backbone back. These sheepish, poor little old people who got a covenant and could care less. Can you say, man, because they're careless, living careless lives. 
Amen. But we've got a covenant with Almighty God. I will not accept defeat. I can't do it. I can't ascribe to Satan power over me. I will not ascribe to God unfaithfulness. I will not call him unfaithful. I will check me out. If he made an inroad, I left the door open. I'm going to own that. I'm going to shut the door. And keep out the devil. Can you say amen? Because the Bible said, don't, as a covenant child of God, don't give place to the devil. Why? Because if you don't give it to him, he has no authority to take it. You need to get a Holy Ghost unwelcome mat. Put it on your front door. And let him know you might go in that house and you might go in that house. They don't go to church. They do go to church. He don't care where you go to church. He's looking for an open door. Don't give it to him. Because if you don't give it to him, he has no power over you. No authority. Because Jesus has delegated that to you and me. Behold, I give you power. Over all the power of the enemy. God gave it to me and I'm giving it to you. Hallelujah. 185,000 men are dead. And Sennacherib confesses. There's a God in Israel. And he's not a man made God. He's real. You can't see him. But I see what he's done to protect them. And I'm going home. Can you say, man, it's about time we got to look at the backside of Satan. Submit yourself unto God. There it is. Get right with God. Come on. Come on. Don't start with your authority. It starts with your submission to His authority. Did you hear clearly what I said? It doesn't begin by teaching you your authority. It teaching you, it begins with teaching you to submit to his authority. Sub, it doesn't say resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's out of context. It says submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will what? He will what? Flee. The word flee is a little word in the King James, but it's a big word in the Greek. In fact, it takes three words to explain the little word flee. It means to run as in panic. To run away from you. Panic stricken. Because when he tried to come against you, he encountered the living God. And you may not be convinced of God's power, but there's not a devil in hell that isn't. Can you say, man, you may not be convinced of the power and authority vested in Jesus' name, but there's no demon that isn't convinced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time. The Mickey Mouse, wishy-washy, spineless church got a backbone. Well, can I tell you one more quick thing? It's my birthday. Humor me. Amen. There's a prophet in Israel. 
know where the devil hates preachers, prophets, and all in between. Anyone who carries the word of the Lord. A king is wanting to lay an ambushment because he knows if you if if you if you face them on a battlefield, they'll win every time because their God is for them. Can't defeat them as long as God is for them. So the king says, but you know what? We fought them in the valley. We, I mean, we fought them on the high ground of the mountains. We fought them up there on the high ground. So, stands to reason, the king's thought is, their God is a mountain God. If we lure them into the valley, we can easily defeat them because the mountain God won't come off his mountain. That's what they thought. That's in your King James. Come on. This is his, the devil's stupid sometimes. Amen. But he's dangerous. But he's dangerous. But there are Christians think that way. When I'm in a valley, God, I can't be defended. I'm, I got, I'm down in the dumps. I'm in, I got the blues. My faith is so small. Listen, listen, don't let the devil convince you of that, that your God will only work up on that mountaintop of faith. He's a covenant God. He's keeping a covenant that he made with Abraham to the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. So they said, we won't fight you in the mountains, but you come down into the flatlands and see what happens. Well, they come down in the flatlands and it happened again. And they said, you know what? Everybody say, duh. They figured it out. He's not just the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. It doesn't matter where you fight them. They're going to win as long as God is for them. Whether they're on the mountaintop or deep in the valley. You better let those covenant kids alone. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whether shouting victory or crying out for grace. If God is for them. Who can be against them and defeat them? Some of my greatest battles haven't been won on the mountaintop of faith. But in the deep valley of despair when I cried out to Him. But He heard my cry. Hallelujah. He listened. Because we are in covenant. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I've got 14 more of these. And all of it's in your book. And it's all based on one thing. And time won't permit. If God is for you. The supreme issue of your victory. Is not understanding, appreciating, and appropriating your faith or authority. But understanding. That God has to be for you. For any of it to work. And there are too many Christians. With the right confession talking about their great faith who have never submitted themselves humbly before the Lord. You will never see them in that altar. You will never see them humbled. You will only hear them like a rooster crowing about their spirituality and their great faith until they get into the heat of battle. And in the heat of battle, all of that stuff goes out the window Unless you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God resists what? And even if you're proud of your faith or your spiritual gifts or your accomplishments, pride is pride no matter what kind of coat you put on it. 
can you say amen? And God does what? He resists the proud. But where does the grace come? Who does it flow to? The humble. And who needs grace? Every single one of us. Without which we could not be saved. And we could not be delivered. And we could not be healed. Can you say man? It's a grace throne that we come to. And while we come with courage and boldness before it. Knowing we have access and acceptance with God. We're humbled that we might come into the presence of this holy God. And be accepted by Him. And we know there's only one reason we can come, and that's the blood that was shed in our behalf at the cross that established a mighty covenant that is standing today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What more shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son... But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And because God is for us and the shed blood of Jesus, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who even as at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. If Jesus is standing before the Father's throne interceding for you and me, then God is for us. Make no mistake about it. And who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Oh, no. He got convinced there's nothing. Death, life, angels, principalities, any other thing that will separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. And that love is set upon us by covenant. Established by the blood of Christ in the New Testament. And the blood of the animals that were offered in the Old Testament. I set my love. He chose the hard-necked, stiff-necked, undeserving people. He chose the least people on the planet to demonstrate the strength of His love and His covenant established. Hallelujah. And it's time. The spineless, beat up, beleaguered, defrauded, deceived, discouraged, depressed church got a Holy Ghost backbone. When you know your covenant, you and God constitute a majority. You can stand your ground and God will stand with you. But you've got to know your covenant rights. And you've got to appropriate them in battle. Shammah was a seed of Abraham. Part of the covenant children. He knows his covenant. He had to. Either that or he's stark raving mad. And the reason we know he wasn't stark raving mad, because God gave a great victory through one covenant man. And he wasn't a great leader, and he wasn't a great king, and he wasn't a prophet, but he was a seed of Abraham. He had a covenant, and he claimed it in battle. He was a farmer. He was in a field of lentils. All he had in his hand was a farm implement. He had no armor. He had no sword. He didn't have enough 
AR-15. Amen. And the Philistines, they always come outnumbering us, don't they? Trying to intimidate and get us to back off our covenant rights. Philistines gathered together unto a troop. And they swooped down on those farmers tending their own land. Undefended by any army. But they knew, one man knew he had a covenant decided to claim it. One man got a backbone. Claimed the covenant. It said, and everybody else ran for cover. Except Shama. Everybody says Shama. Get down in the Bible and just read and read. Don't just look for the great heroes. Look for people that did what they did and didn't have to be a big hero to do it. You just have a big God who you claim. It said, but Shama stood in the midst of the field. I heard a preacher preach on this and he said, this is the last time I'm leaving my pea patch. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen. They've, the devil's run me off and run me off and took my crops until I ain't running no more. He got a backbone. Shama had a backbone, but he had a backbone based on a covenant. It wasn't just, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to break bad like Rambo. Can you say amen? Amen. No. Amen. I've got a covenant with God. It said Shama stood in the midst of the field and defended it. He, everybody say he claimed the covenant. And the Bible said, and the Lord wrought, the Lord wrought a great victory. One man with a covenant that claimed it saw God give a great victory while everybody else run and hid. Thank you for indulging me. I'm so tired. One of the things that makes me tired as a pastor is watching the defeat of God's people over and over and over. No matter if heaven comes down and kisses the earth on Sunday morning and we're right in the middle of the smack, the devil's got all week to work on us before the next Sunday. And most of the time, I say this with a broken heart. By the time we get back in God's house, we've done giving up the ground that God so graciously gave us in that service. And we're back in the same pickle, the same fix. And it's time it stopped. In, in the absolute closing of this service today, My father-in-law was in the United States Navy. He went to Pearl Harbor to see the memorial to all of the servicemen who lost their life in that surprise attack by Japan. December 7th, 1941, a day that will live on in infamy. I don't know if they lost one or two planes out of hundreds that flew from the aircraft carrier where Admiral Yamamoto was directing this strike. They came back 
before they got drunk on sake when they got back, rice wine. They were drunk on victory because these were undefended ships and an unprepared navy. And thousands met their death. When they got back, they hit the sake to celebrate. They're all getting drunk and cheering. Look at the victory we have over the United States of America. No, this was just one battle. This was just one battle. This was the beginning of our war with Japan. Admiral Yamamoto was sitting in his quarters. He wouldn't come out and drink and celebrate. One of his top aides, this is his own biography, came in and said, We have a victory. Everybody made it back. We've destroyed their their navy in the Pacific. And now we can continue to defeat them. He looked up sad. He said, listen. He said, this is the first battle. This is not the final battle in this war. He said, the United States is a sleeping giant. And I believe that we just woke up a sleeping giant. And friend of mine, from that time on, a mighty military force stood up against Germany and Japan. And it didn't take a long time until both were terribly defeated. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And in the annals of this war, there were supernatural victories granted to the United States. Not just our military might, but God's blessing upon this nation. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Let me submit to you today that the church of Jesus Christ is a sleeping giant. We have been delegated authority. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have a mandate from God. Hallelujah. To evangelize the world. Am I being truthful today? We're a sleeping giant. The little general, not the store. The little general, what? Napoleon Bonaparte. They were taking land after land. I know they met their Waterloo in England, but they were looking toward China. And him being the general of these armies, conquering army after army when they looked at China, he said, let's don't mess with China. Let's don't touch China. Let's don't go there and try to defeat them. Same phraseology, for there lies a sleeping giant. If they call to arms all the people that they could put into the military, they're going to be a force that we can't conquer. So don't mess with China. Amen. There lies a sleeping giant, and if he awakes, he will shake the world. He will shake the world. China is going to be a player in this last day scenario. Make no mistake about it. The church is asleep. The world's asleep in the night, but the church is asleep in the light. The Bible said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Don't suck your head in. 
in intimidation. It's arise and shine is for us as well. For thy light has come and the glory of God has come upon thee and has risen upon thee and shall be seen upon thee. So this is where I stand. I can't become what the average church has become. I can't stop believing for revival. I can't stop praying that every person in this room will know the victory that Jesus paid for at Calvary in your life. Hallelujah. Where is the fury of the oppressor? Did not I send my son? Is he not still anointed to deliver them oppressed by the devil? Am I not a God of truth? Do I not watch over my word to perform it? Yea, saith the Lord, do you not bear my name? I don't want victory so I can watch TV without pain. I want victory because I represent a great and gracious and good and mighty God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will you stand your feet? Amen. How many still got an appetite? How many want to go forward in your Christian life this year? How many sick and tired of being sick and tired? Hallelujah. I like, the, I like the Jesus movement. There was a fire of God that came through that Jesus movement. <laughs> Amen. And did I give you that? It's all queued up in, in that movement. I remember a song came out. God that had just got off drugs and got delivered and set free. Got set free from LSD and marijuana and Lord knows what else he'd concocted. Amen. He said, God gave me a gumption from a, a unction from a gumption so I could function. <laughs> and he wrote a song whose theme was, I've had all the sin I can hack Jack. Can you say, man, I'm done with that world. I'm done with that life. Amen. I tell you, we'll empty this church or we'll fill it. But we will not be another one of those frozen, chosen, spineless, sleeping churches where everybody's defeated while we're talking and singing about victory. Is that okay with you? I'm going to preach that way whether it is or not, but I would appreciate an an amen. Because this is a churchy city. Lord knows you don't have to come to this one. Can you say amen? This is a preacher city. They're all over the place. It's crawling with preachers and prophets and apostles and evangelists and bishops and archbishops. For heaven's sake. God has covered Tampa. They've got choirs that can sing to So you can have it all, honey. But they ain't got nothing that presses me unless God comes down and does something in that church service in somebody's life. Can you say, man, but I'm different. Somebody say, I'll say he's different. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And it's okay. Let's give him praise in this song.